This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the National Lacrosse League announces some rule changes for 2017. The Thompsons are taking the medicine game to the people. Jimmy Batley put the Vancouver Stealth through the paces this past weekend. And ladies and gentlemen, we are just two weeks away from Exhibition Lacrosse. All that and more on OTCB. Morning, good afternoon, and good night, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner, as always. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Uh, a busy week uh, last weekend um, as three National Lacrosse League teams had camps. Vancouver and Colorado having main camps. The Black Wolves having a bit of an open camp. Um, we'll kind of touch base on some of those um, that went on this past weekend. The National Lacrosse League announcing some rule changes for 2017. I kind of teased those last week, uh, and they've come out today. Uh, so we'll talk about those. Um, Lyle Thompson will check in with us. He's on his way back from Standing Rock in North Dakota, where the massive protests are going on to stop the Dakota Pipeline. Uh, so we'll hear from him. Uh, Jamie Batley, head coach of the Vancouver Stealth, will stop by. And yes, like we said up the top, we are just two weeks away from our very first exhibition game. 1 p.m. Saturday, December 3rd, Buffalo at Rochester at the ILA in Six Nations, Ontario. Now, unfortunately, not all of the games are open to the public and those that are open to the public, some are free, some are paid for. So for more information, go to NLL.com and check out the news section and you can find the article there. There are a dozen preseason games going on. Most of them will be that first week in December. The second week we'll have a couple more and the third week we'll even have some more. So we've got a little bit of everybody playing some exhibition games. And we're going to try to get as much information from those games as we can when they do happen. First out of the gate, let's get you sort of up to date with some of these rule changes. Uh, I ran into um, a National Lacrosse League official on uh, Thursday when I was heading up to Whistler. um, And I had a quick chat with him. And, um, you know, when we had talked in Commissioner Nixakevich a couple weeks ago, he had hinted about these rule changes coming. He let us in on the teaser that there would be a third on-floor official, which I thought is, is going to be a great idea. Um, I, I think having more officials out there, three is enough, um, is perfect. Allow them to rotate like they do in basketball, a three-man floating system, kind of like they do or just like they do in the playoffs when they come around. So I think this is a good thing for the game. There will also be a fourth official in the box doing shot clocks, timekeeping, and all those things. Um, So that was sort of the bigger one. Um, And then when I was talking with this uh, referee on the ferry, he kind of let me in on some of the other ones, knowing that come, you know, today, that these rules would be out. Um, Again, you can go to nll.com. I'm going to tweet. I tweeted this link out um, on my Twitter account uh, earlier today. But there are a ton of changes. Um, and a lot of them is just wording. So don't, you know, 
get all bent out of shape that there's going to be a completely different National Lacrosse League. A lot of the changes were just the verbiage of some of the rules changing um, just to clear up some of the gray areas, which is fine because the clearer the rules are, the better the game will be in the long run. Um, But some of the ones that kind of stood out the most uh, that this official talked to me, um, other than the third official going to be on the floor, now teams will have 25 seconds to challenge a play. I believe it was 20. It's now been bumped up to 25 seconds to give them a little bit more time to decide if they want to throw a flag and challenge a call. Uh, Going along with that, there is a new bylaw put into the rules that says that all replays must be shown in a timely manner, um, both home and away. Uh, There were teams and there were some complaints from uh, some Board of Governor members and some GMs and, and some of the teams that not every arena was showing the replays right away. Um, They would show, you know, if the away team scored, they would show those goals right away so that the coach could have a quick look. But then they wouldn't show the home team goals until after that 20 seconds had had elapsed so that the team couldn't challenge. So um, from now on, you're always going to see every replay. Uh, They will be shown quickly and promptly, and if teams don't do that, uh, there will be fines handed out by the league, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that and make sure everyone's playing by the rules, as it were. Um, some of the other ones, there, uh, no more illegal body check. Um, so if a guy is going down and he's in a scrum and he's looking for the ball, trying to find you can't now come in and just blow a guy up out of the water. Um, that's old MILL lacrosse stuff. Um, and they want to, you know, we're going towards um, a reality in pro sports of protecting players. Uh, you're seeing in hockey and you're seeing in football almost exclusively, um, especially in football, uh, the defenseless receiver um, kind of calls that they're making. Now those are going to be brought into the world of lacrosse. Um, the uh, Alexis Bouquet hit on Carson Leung, that's now a match penalty, which should have been when it was called originally, but that is now going to be a match penalty. Uh, And like I said, when players have their heads down trying to find a loose ball, you can't blow them up out of the water. Um, So they're trying to just clean some things up. Uh, Those were sort of the the three bigger ones. Um, And like I said, you can go to the article that I tweeted or you can go to NLL.com. It's under the news. It's on the front page, actually. It just says 2017 rule changes. And then you can go down and you can click for the full list. And there are a bunch Um, It's 17 pages of changes. And again, some of them are just verbiage of things. Um, Number of challenges stays the same, but it's just regulation. Every team will get a challenge in overtime now, despite whether they were right or wrong on their first two challenges. Um, Yeah, like I said, there's, there's so many things on here that a lot of it doesn't have any relevance to the gameplay or to the fans. Um, it's all, like I said, verbiage. So, uh, you know, good on the league for clearing some of this stuff up and working towards keeping players safe and things like that. So, um, well, we're going to try to get Brian Lemon on the show. We've been trying for a couple weeks, so I wanted to wait until this came out. So, uh, we'll try to get Lemon on either next week or the week after maybe, um, and just kind of get a rundown of why some of these decisions were made, um, and maybe try to get some finite details on, on some of these, but for the most part, um, it's all tickety-boo. Um, Under Armour 
uh, is still in Team 22, announced that they are going to be the major equipment provider for the National Lacrosse League. We kind of knew that, um, but they are going to be the, the main guy or the main guys providing equipment for the players. Um, we'll hopefully won't have any guys being given, you know, game misconducts or unsportsmanlike penalties or delay game penalties uh, for wearing illegal equipment um, or wearing illegal brands or having, you know, wearing Adidas shoes but blacking out the three stripes so you can't tell. Like, all those things are now illegal. You can't do those things. Um, you have to wear the sponsored equipment. You have to wear the sponsored gear. Can't, you know, cross out any manufacturers. They're going to have spotters for these types of things. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, I remember um, it was Brandon Miller either last year or the year before at a game in Vancouver, and he wasn't wearing Under Armour shoes, and somebody called him out on it. So we had to go off the floor and change his shoes. Um, it's happened, um, but hopefully it won't happen as much uh, this year. And, again, it's not something that gets called uh, very often. I'm just trying to scrolling through here and see some of these other ones that um, – I may have missed. Oh, this one kind of stood out to me, and I'm not sure. I've never read the whole rule book, but I thoroughly went through um, some of these changes that they made. Um, repeat offender, and, and I would love to hear your feedback on this. So, um, for Matt, this is for match penalties. Um, match penalty will be an automatic one game suspension. Um, so that's just kind of how it works. You know, if you get a match penalty, it's an automatic one or two game suspension. Um, one game suspensions can't be appealed, but once it gets more than one, then you are able to appeal it. Um, if a player receives a match penalty in their last game, they will sh- receive an additional one game suspension to start the next regular season, so which give them a, at least a two game. Um, but then this is the, the one that kind of stood out for me. Repeat offender. Any player who is assessed a second match penalty or a dangerous contact to the head penalty, which is Rule 77, or a combination thereof within a two-year period shall be assessed a five-game suspension. And then it goes on to say, any player who is assessed a third match penalty or third dangerous contact to the head or a combination thereof within a two-year period shall be assessed a 10-game suspension. The two-year period will be determined as multiple infractions occurring within a 730-day period with the starting date being the day of the first infraction. That's huge. So going back two seasons to the start of this season, anybody that's gotten a match or a dangerous contact, like basically a high-hit penalty, are in very serious danger of getting a five-gamer right off the hop. Maybe even a 10. Like, that's that's huge. And as a guy who had to stop playing because of concussions, and uh, my brother had them, and I had them, and, and there's so many guys. You know, Dan Carey has had to stop playing. Uh, Merrick Thompson had to stop playing. Uh, and that's just the ones that I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But there's so many guys that have had to leave the game because of dangerous hits and because of concussions. Uh, I, I like the way the National Lacrosse League is going about this. And you know what? If you're going to be careless and you're going to be running roughshaw out there, then you're going to have to pay the consequences. So um, I'm probably going far too long on some of these rules. But um, again, NLL.com has you completely covered with all of the rules.
Last week, we talked with Bill O'Brien of the New England Black Wolves uh, about, you know, everything that's going on with the Wolves and, and leading into camp. They had a fantastic season last year, going to the East Finals, and everything they built up, having the momentum going into camp. But we also talked about everything that's going on in North Dakota and, and, and the protests against the Dakota pipeline. That um, is a pipeline that's going, you know, through the U.S. and has to go over under um, the water system, and people are protesting it. And they're standing up. And it has gotten insane, crazy, and out of hand um, with how these protests are being dealt with by authorities, um, by officials. And, you know, you can go online and you can see some of these videos of, of tear gas and water cannons and pepper spray and rubber bullets being shot at these peaceful protesters. Well, they say that the medicine game can cure all. And that is why the creator gave us the game of lacrosse. And this week, Lyle Thompson, Bill O'Brien, and Coach Scott Marr from the University of Albany drove across the country all the way to North Dakota so that they could see it and they could be involved in it and they can try to bring some of the medicine of this game to the people and just be a part of it all. And we're lucky enough um, to have Lyle Thompson joining us here on the show. He's put in the work. He is exhausted, but he has been able to find a quiet spot for us and give us some time. And I really appreciate everything that he's doing, along with Thompson Brothers Lacrosse and Bill O'Brien and Coach Marr. They've been sort of the pioneers of this, Lyle has, and so is, so is Billy and, and Scott Marr is has been entrenched in the Native American culture since really the Thompson brothers started going to Albany, and he's been behind this as well. So um, I want to thank Lyle for stopping by and giving us some time. Uh, joining us now on the show is Lyle Thompson of the Georgia Swarm. Lyle, how are you, buddy? Good, good. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a story that is taking the, the world by storm, especially since uh, Thompson brothers and yourself have gotten involved. Um, you were out there with Coach Marr and, and Bill O'Brien and some other Thompson brothers across people. Tell me what you guys were doing in North Dakota and why you got involved. Yeah, so um, I mean, I guess what we what we came out here for is just to support, uh, just like everybody else who's who's out there. But um, why I got involved, I guess, is is because because um, you know from from the start, just seeing what was going on on social media, which is the only only place that was seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing what was going on out here. Um, I feel connection on my on on my pages on my social media pages because so that more people would see what's going on. Yeah. And um, you know, as you can see, I've been pretty active on on my social medias and in supporting what's going on out here. But I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it with my own my own two eyes and, and feel it what it was like out here. So um, you know, I decided I wanted to come out, make the drive out here. And, and uh, my coach at Albany, Scott Marr, came out, and, and Bill O'Brien with New England. He, we all, we all drove out together, and, and um, we came out just to support. And we brought, I brought about, let's see, 16, 16 or twenty traditional wooden lacrosse sticks just to, nice. uh, you know, get spread the medicine. You know, the game, the way the game is used. And, um, 
I kind of did that, and we kind of just got a game going and, and had fun with it. Uh, I, I want to talk about that game in a little bit because that's what Billy said was one of the greatest things you guys were doing out there. But when you first got there, was it bigger and the amount of people more than you had, had kind of first originally thought it was going to be, or was it what you expected? Um, I mean, it was definitely bigger than I expected. There's, yeah. there's uh, three different camps out here, and um, the camp we were at, that was, there's a, I mean, I don't know the number. I want to say yeah. around maybe 2,000 people. I'm Crazy. Not, that's just spitballing. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's just tents everywhere and, and a bunch of people of all different, you know, all different people, not just Native American people yeah. coming together and, and um, you know, being one with one another. And to me, that was what, that was what was so amazing. You know, yeah. that, was, that was what I, the biggest thing I seen while I was out here. Um, with everything that's going on in the States with the election and, and all the protests and movements that are going, why do you think, this one isn't getting the mainstream attention that some of the other things get in the U.S. Um, I mean, I guess it's, for me, it's just money. Yeah. It's what everything else is about in, in this country. So, um, you know, it's, it's money because, you know, people believe that this pipeline is going to help, which is, which is wrong. And, and I think, and the other part about it is because it's, Native American people, and, and yeah. um, you know, it's it's some it's a way we've been treated for you know hundreds of years. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I can't no, I, see I why it, else yeah. they're not showing the the support here or not even covering on any any you know major networks. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I, I saw someone tweet out today about you guys going there. They said if it was an NFL or an NBA or an NHL players going to this camp, it would be all over the news and the White House would be behind it. But it's not getting that attention. Why was it important for you to sort of be, you know, the first athlete really to to make this a cause for you to be involved with? Um, I mean, I just I, I support it, and and you know, it's something I truly believe believe that. You know, shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And the way I was brought up, you know, I think that's where it all starts. Is is just the way, the way I was brought up, and you know, the right thing to do here. And Absolutely. That's what. That's why I wanted to get involved because because I believe it's right, and I don't believe the pipeline should go through. So, in my part, I was I'm doing whatever I can. And yeah. I think the biggest part right now is the support through social media. Absolutely. And um coming out here was just was was really just the part that I wanted to see see it. I wanted to really see it and feel it. I wanted to be yeah. out here and feel it and and um I guess the medicine game that we threw just just threw uplift some spirits, you know, yeah. within within the communities there and within yeah. the people who are who are there and have been supporting for however long they've been there. Absolutely. It's, you know, for me growing up, whenever I did, you know, school reports on lacrosse, it was always about the creator and the medicine game and how, you know, native tribes used it, North American tribes used it to help the sick and help build, you know, family and values and bring people together. Do you think you did a little bit of that today with the game you guys did? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, 
the mission was definitely accomplished with what we did, and you know it was it was a lot of fun. Did, did did anybody kind of know who you were when you guys showed up? Were were you kind of recognized? Was Thompson Brothers Lacrosse a, a thing people knew of out there? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was something that was that was definitely huge, but yeah, um, definitely you know a few people here and there came up to us and and uh, recognized us. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, uh, I again I appreciate you doing this. I know you got a heck of a long drive ahead of you, but. You know, we see athletes become role models for different reasons. Um, as a North or a Native American role model, how important is it for you to to be there for this next generation of kids growing up? Um, I guess I guess I'm just for me, it's it's just um, you know passing it on and, and trying to influence mm-hmm. the next generation. Absolutely. Because for me, I share. I share something in common with these people, with a lot of Native people anyways. And, um, you know, that's that's just that, you know, we come from similar backgrounds. And yeah. that background just happens to be, you know, a common struggle with, with poverty and, and education and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think people can be inspired by my story. Mm-hmm. And, but but not just Native American within the Native American community. I want, I want to influence as many as many people as I can. Um, and my way of doing that is to pursue the game of lacrosse because it's the game I play. So um, I'm, I'm going to work the best I can to do that and be a positive influence because, you know, for me, my, my role models were my brothers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I just know how important it is to have a positive role model and, and how it can steer you in the right direction. Um, the N7 campaign that, that's just been launched, how cool was that? Uh, you know, growing up, you talked about, you know, your role models were your brother, but did you ever think, you know, when you were in your 20s that you'd have a national ad campaign with Nike and be a featured athlete with them? Um, I mean, I can't, I can't say I never, I mean, I can't say I ever thought it would happen. Um, it's definitely a dream come true. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it's why I'm so, you know, thankful for for the game and um, why I carry carry myself the way I do and, and try to in a positive way. Everything that I have, I try to, you know, give it back as much as I can. And um, that's what we try to do with Dan 7 Camp is, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of giving back to, to what gave us so much and, and hoping that these kids, can find inspiration and, and help them point them in the right direction. Uh, Minnesota, so the Minnesota, the Georgia Swarm um, had a pretty good year last year. You guys were were a team on the uprise and a talk of the league. Uh, what is next for this club? When do you guys start camp? We start camp uh, first week of December. And yeah, I mean, I you know, just like any other team, we're we're shooting to win a championship and. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're we're all going in with a positive mind. I think we have a good squad coming in from last year with what we had last year and and uh, picking up Poolin. Yeah, I think that, that's pretty huge for us. But um, you know, it's just it's just a matter of you know starting off strong with week one and, and coming together as a, as a team. Um, I think that's one of the big things in in this league, in the National Cross League, is just chemistry. 
um, you know, just, you know, with us practicing once a week and then coming together once a week or a couple of days a week, not having, you know, the whole week to, to practice together and whatnot. Uh, chemistry is a huge thing, but I think mm-hmm. if we bring that together, it'll it'll go a long way because I've seen it with last year. Last year, we, you know, once once we get to the end of the year, we start looking a lot better, and, and I think the reason for that we were coming together as a team. Absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure catching up with you. I know, like I said, it's been a long couple days for you driving across the country back and forth, but uh, I really appreciate uh, everything you're doing, uh, not only for the community, but with this pipeline and everything you're doing on social media. And I appreciate the way you play the game and the way your brothers play the game. It's, uh, It's an absolutely treat to watch. And thank you for everything you do. And thanks for giving us some time, buddy. Yep, thanks for having me. There is Lyle Thompson of the Georgia Swarm, and I can't even imagine being in that position, having that connection to the creator and to the game and to the land and to the people, and then just driving upon those campsites and seeing the number of people that are there and everything that's going on and the power that just must have been in the energy of that area at that time. And I want to thank Lyle for giving us some time and and everything that he's doing to help bring awareness for something that I don't think people really understand the magnitude that this pipeline has on the land and on the people of those reservations and in those territories and what they're fighting for. So good on Lyle and, and great on Thompson Brothers Lacrosse for getting behind this initiative. And I truly hope that this is something that continues to build um, notification, notoriety, um, gain some headway into the mainstream media because it really is something that needs to be talked about. And, you know, Lyle mentions that it's partly because it's money um, and maybe it's partly because they are Native American people. And for some reason, they are kind of looked down upon. And it's ironic to think that with this being U.S. Thanksgiving weekend, and everything that's going on in North Dakota. It's just crazy to think about everything that these people have to go through and continually get pushed back. It's unbelievable. You heard him say that they will start camp uh, in two weeks, the first weekend of December. Uh, the Black Wolves had an open camp over the weekend, and they were able to see a few bodies that they liked and were going to invite back to a, their opening camp in a couple of weeks. The two biggest names coming out of their uh, free agent open camp, uh, Alex Turner and Peter Jacobs, both lefty forwards who who have had a bit of a cup of coffee in the National Cross League, so they were selected. Also selected uh, were Greg Maselli, a right-handed transition player from Stony Brook, uh, Joe Nardella of Rutgers, a face-off D guy who was on the Team USA training camp roster for the field across team. Uh, forward Bryce Cirillo from Springfield College. Forward Grant Whiteway of UMass. Uh, Cirillo and Whiteway both have experience playing with the Vermont Voyagers of the Senior B team. So um, Black Wolves will get underway, but they've invited six. Um, the Vancouver Stealth invited five players from their open tryouts to their main camp, which they had this past weekend. Um, and when I talked to Doug Locker last week, he said they wanted guys to come into camp, earn their spots, and it didn't matter what your name was and what your repetition was. 
or what your resume said. If you don't work, you're not going to earn a spot. And when I talked to Reese Dutch earlier today, um, he said it was probably the toughest camp he's ever been to. Uh, he, he said they ran and ran and ran. There wasn't a lot of lacrosse because they were just, they were preaching uh, conditioning. They were preaching fitness, and they really worked on that. The beep test, which is the most dreaded test I think any athlete has to go through, um, it was on hand again. And uh, there were some surprising performances and maybe some of, you know, good surprises and bad surprises as well. Uh, they did have three scrimmages and, you know, all in intents and purposes. It was one of the best camps the Vancouver Stealth have had in quite some time. Now, a lot of that can be, you know, subject to personal belief um, and speculation just on how you decide and define a successful camp. However, there is one guy that should probably have a pretty good gauge of how things went, and he is the head coach of the Vancouver Stealth, Jamie Batley, and I was able to catch him, catch up with him earlier. And uh, I, I straight up asked him, I said, what are your thoughts on the opening camp? How did it go? Uh, actually, we were uh, really excited for uh, the first weekend of our main camp, and uh, you know, we let guys know they had to be in shape, and mm-hmm. we had a, a very rigorous two days, three sessions, and Guys came through with flying colors. Uh, I was very excited and happy about, uh, you know, the condition that our players were in. And, you know, we had three basically scrimmages against each other, and uh, there was a lot of battling, and, and we were happy with what we saw. Uh, when I talked to Doug Locker last week, the GM, he mentioned to me that guys weren't going to make this team based on name alone. It was all going to be about work ethic and, and effort. Did you see that from the guys? Were, were everybody battling for spots? Oh yeah, for sure. Like uh, we we told the players that there's you know every spot's open and that they got to battle for their job. So mm-hmm. and and the new guys coming in, we asked them to battle for a job. You know, we want to put the best team on the floor. It doesn't really matter to me where you're from or what your name is. Um, you know, really, I don't have any allegiances to any towns in in the Lower mm-hmm. Mainland. So you know that that that, that was a big thing. Um, and just you know, we want to put the the best 24 guys uh, on the team and the best 20 guys on the floor every night. What's the biggest change from uh, last year to this year that you've seen so far in this group? Guys are really excited um, to be at camp. Um, I, I think they're ready to play. They, they like the new direction that uh, that we brought to the team. And, uh, you know, we, we hold them to a pretty high standard of accountability. So I think they like that and they seem to be thriving. Mm-hmm. It, it was a bit of a different um mentality switch from when Dan Pro was there to when you came in uh, and you've always had the mentality of work ethic and hard work and and bring your hat to work who are some of the guys that surprised you maybe that uh kind of stood out on your radar well Justin Salt for one I mean yes obviously he's picked his game up since we you know even since we took over and uh you know, really uh, made sure that he was in the best shape of his life. And that showed on the floor. You know, I was really excited with the way he played, and uh, as all the coaches were. And, uh, you know, he was in top condition. Uh, you know, I look at a guy like Ty Belanger, who's new to the team, that, uh, you know, you know, won one of the uh, one of the uh, beat tests. So, nice. you know, we were really, really excited to see that. Um, you know, I know he's a goalie, but at the same time, you know, he, he's made sure that he's in the best best shape of his life. So, we're excited about that kind of stuff. And you know, there was other guys that were in great shape. You know, Haji's probably in one of the best shapes of his life. He looked good. We were really excited um, 
with uh, Peter McFedrich. He, he looked yeah. good out there, uh, as did Lynch. So, you know, two new additions that we, you know, we couldn't wait to see how they fit into the camp, and, and, and they did well. So, I mean, those are mostly defensive guys. That's what I kept my mm-hmm. eye on um, this weekend, and, and, and we're really happy with the way those guys played and the shape they're in. Are you looking to change the defensive strategy? Because under Dan Pro and previous regimes, they were very transition style, not too many stay-at-home D guys. Are you looking to keep with that? And and, and as the analog goes to more athletic D guys, are you looking for, you know, four or five, six guys that are going to stay at home and hold the fort? Well, you know, when I took over, I would think the opposite would have been true. Uh, we had a lot of stay-at-home guys. Uh, we didn't transition much. Um and generally played a packed-in defense. Uh, okay. That's what I analyzed for the first half of last year when I reviewed the tape. Mm-hmm. And I've never played that style. I've always played a transition style since I've been in, you know, even when I'm back in my Colorado days, uh, yeah. you know, we went 6-6-6, six, six, and 6-0-60, six, uh, six, oh, and 6 trannies. So, yeah. um, you know, it, we don't do that anymore, but at the same time, I've always liked that style. I think it puts pressure on the offensive players to make sure they get back or get off. And I think you create opportunities in the transition game to score goals. So that's my style. Everybody in the league knows that. Everybody mm-hmm. in the league knows that's the way I'm going to play, and that's the kind of players we're picking. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions about some of the guys, whether they were at camp or, or not, still nursing in injuries. I know a lot of people are wondering if Rory Smith's going to be back this year for you guys. No. Um, Rory's, uh, as far as I know, Rory's taking a year off. Okay. Um, you know, sort of to uh, to nurse uh, the injuries that he's had over the last yeah. little while. Um, I think he made that decision earlier in the year. He didn't play this summer. Yeah. And I think he wants to give himself some time off. So no, he he won't be out this year. Um, I, I saw some pictures. Uh, Tyler Richards was given the camp sort of off just to rehab himself. But you guys have a great goaltending battle with with a number of guys you have who stood out. You already mentioned Ty Belanger, but of the other goalies that you had in camp, who'd you like? Well, I think, you know, there wasn't one of them that had three great sessions. Um, you know, they might have had, uh, you know, a couple okay ones and a great one. So I, I yeah. don't really want to name anybody because no one really stood out. Yeah. Um, and not that they were terrible either because the goal scoring was fairly low. Yeah. Um, but what's to be expected? Guys didn't have their sticks in their hands for the last couple mm-hmm. of months maybe. But um, so, you know, you know, Tyler uh, was off. He's rehabbing. He should be back. You know, we're thinking this week um, okay. he's scheduled to come back, and, and it sounds like he should be pretty good to come back for our camp on December 3rd. Uh, how'd Garrett Billings uh, fare? Was he out on floor, or was he uh, not quite there yet? No, he was on the floor, you know, had four goals in one of the scrimmages, so, you know, we were pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, so he was out. How do you see this offense shaping up this year? What, what, are you going to be strong left, strong right, or is that still to be determined, do you think? We haven't really determined that, and a lot of times that's going to depend on who's injured, you know, to be quite yeah, honest with you. Um, you know, so, I mean, we, we don't know if we'll go, you know, 7-0 and uh, mm-hmm. if we'll go that way or not. I mean, we're just not really too sure at this point. Like, if we'll go 7-10, 6-11, you know, yeah. if you go 6-11 and you've got a couple of training guys that, you know, when I talked about this before, you know, maybe James Ray plays defense and training and stays on yeah. right. So mm-hmm. gives you an extra righty, or maybe McCready does that. I'm not, you know, I don't have too many lefties off the top of my head. Maybe Travis Cornwall does that, you know, there's yeah, back, yeah, there a time when he's got, you know, a hundred points one year uh, at West. So, you know, yeah. maybe we can massage it that way. So we really haven't decided. Uh, what's the status of Jordan Durston? Jordan Durston, uh, um, uh, played this weekend. He was scheduled to maybe, or maybe not, he said yeah. he wanted to go. He felt good. And, uh, you know, his speed wasn't there. 
yeah. although his lateral movement was there, and uh, you know he his hands are definitely there. So you know he put the ball in the net. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard Evan Messenger perform quite well over the weekend. Evan was there and uh, had uh, a couple good sessions. Um, you know he looked good, and uh, we we were happy he played well. Uh, you have uh, you'll take a week off, get back into camp come December. Um, what's the process for you guys when you guys want to start paring down numbers so you can have a better look and closer look at guys? Well, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a practice um, on uh, on the Saturday and then a game Saturday afternoon and a game uh, Sunday morning uh, scrimmage against other teams. So mm-hmm. we're gonna obviously have everybody back. We'll add a couple names in there, I think. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we have 40 for sure. Yeah. And, and we'll have that weekend to analyze how they play against uh, other teams and against, you know, when, when you're in a camp, obviously you're not playing against NLL defenders, let's say, you know, some are, but some aren't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously not going to make the team. So we're going to be, see how guys play against, you know, other, other, other teams who have NL defenders and, uh, you know, how, uh, how, how our defense stacks up against, uh, NL offensive players. So it's going to be, a, it's going to be a good learning, uh, for the coaches to see where guys are after this next weekend. January 6th will come soon enough, but this is a, a big year for the Vancouver Stealth organization, the fourth year in the lower mainland. Uh, everyone is hoping this is a team that can be the play, in the playoffs. This is a very tight Western division with only four teams. Is this club able to do that this year, I think? Well, I think if you look at the talent uh, that's on, on, our, on paper uh, for this club, I think we can, we can compete against every team in our bid. Yeah. I mean, I know Saskatchewan is the defending champ two-time and whatever, you know, and obviously they would be the front runners. They have that experience, and uh, yeah. but but I think that you know our team definitely matches up against against every team. I mean we even yeah. beat Saskatchewan twice last year, so yeah. you know we match up against everyone in our division. And and I think you know with a positive attitude, uh, hopefully that I'm bringing, and the demand from the players that that I'm bringing this year, I hope we can turn that into playoffs. I mean I, I think I think everybody knows that's our goal to make playoffs, and then yeah. uh, obviously to. To host to host a playoff game would be a goal, and obviously to, to win a championship is a goal as well. So, you know, we really think that we're putting the team in the right direction um, to accomplish those goals. Uh, you start with back-to-back games on the road. The schedule makers didn't do many too many favors, but it's going to be a fun year once January comes around. Uh, Bass, I appreciate you as always giving us some time, and uh, enjoy your rest of your winter. And we'll see you in the new year. Yeah, and the only thing I'd say about that, Ted, is I would rather have the back-to-back. At the very beginning, but yeah. not at the very end, like we did last year. We did yeah, last year. It was no, it wasn't a very, very favorable for us. So yeah, I, I do appreciate true. your time too, as well. And hopefully, we see lots of fans out, and uh, hopefully, we can bring them, uh, you know, definitely an exciting brand. There he is, the head coach of the Vancouver Stealth, Jamie Batley, joining us from his home in Peterborough, Ontario, earlier today. When I caught up with him, they're going to be in a, a pretty interesting spot there in Vancouver. Um, they have a wealth of talent in that locker room right now with the free agents that they have, the players that are already on their roster, some of the guys that they brought in through trade. You heard uh, Bats talk about um, Lintz and Peter McFetridge as guys who really stood out to him. Um, I, I'm, there were a lot of positive things about Tyson Rowe coming out of camp and what he can bring to the floor, but there's also... Um, some question mark guys. Um, how is Corey Conway going to fit into that offense? Is he going to be able to play under Jamie Batley? 
Can Colton Porter, a guy who I've wanted to see in the National Lacrosse League for a number of years, um, take his edgy, uh, pesky-type play that he has in the WLA and make that a success in the National Lacrosse League? Um, you know, What's the full state of health of Garrett Billings? He hasn't looked the same since that knee injury. Can he come back to be that guy that was a three-time 100-point guy in the National Lacrosse League? Where does Travis Cornwall play? Can Evan Messenger get a crack? With no Rory Smith, that leaves a big hole in that back end of their defense. Who's going to step up and play that role? I was quite interested to and surprised to hear that Jordan Durston was out. Uh, he hurt his knee during the summer, and I wasn't expecting him to be back uh, for the start of the year, but it's good to see him. Um, but this has been a team that has underachieved for years. Since moving to the lower mainland from Everett, uh, they have underachieved. Sure, they've had years where they've been just crippled by injuries. Um, last year was another prime example of just missing guys and, and not having the bodies all year long. If this team can stay healthy and get a number one goaltender to play at a number one level, then I truly believe that this team can make some noise in the West. But the West is just so good. And truly... One through nine, there aren't any bad teams in the National Lacrosse League. There might be some teams that I'm not super sold on. But if the Vancouver Stealth can stay healthy, then there's no reason they can't just beat out one team because that's all you got to do. There's no crossover anymore. All you got to do is beat out one team. But the three teams that are they're chasing, Saskatchewan, Colorado, Calgary, have been the three teams they've been chasing for four years. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how they make up this team. And you heard uh, Bats talk about it. How do they play a guy like James Ray or a guy like Joel McCready? Are they D-tranny guys that have the green light to stay up and play? Who becomes that third lefty if Jordan Durston can't go? Who becomes the fourth lefty? Do they go three and four? Do they go four and three on either side of the floor? Are you ten and seven? Are you nine and eight? What do you, like that? Those are the things that you have to think of when you're trying to construct your team. And and you know the prognosis often has been you don't want to have too many forwards because you want to have those guys going out and getting a repetition and keeping the ball in their stick and keeping their sticks hot. But if you have you know seven or eight forwards. Then you're having guys who are sitting out every other shift or sitting out every couple shifts. And that doesn't help your offense get into a rhythm. Offenses that, you know, run six guys out the front door often have a ton of success because those guys are going out pretty much every other shift. And if you're going to run some tranny guys that have the ability to be to not be a liability, not only on the, the defensive end, but on the front end as well, and run that you know six 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 sort of lacrosse. You have to take a guy out because you have seventeen runners. But somewhere in that mix, you have to find the proper cohesion, and and that's something that a lot of coaches struggle with, and that's something that Dan Perot really had issues with when he was coaching the Vancouver Stealth, and a lot of it has to do with the makeup of this team because there's so many guys that either one dimensional or just don't quite fit in. So it'll be interesting to watch this team develop and see how Coach Batley and Jim Milligan and 
Um, Doug Locker and, and their whole staff put this team together. Uh, they'll take a week off. They'll get back at it next week in Vancouver, and I think there's um, a couple teams going to be in the lower mainland next weekend. Um, true enough. Uh, Saskatchewan and Colorado will be in Vancouver, so there'll be uh, three exhibition games going on at the LEC. None of them are open to the public, unfortunately. Um, so we'll get a good glimpse um, at these teams, and, and you heard Batley say it. You know, it'll be a good opportunity for them to put guys up against other NLL defenders and other NLL forwards and goaltenders and gauge them. And that's why these exhibition games are so important for all of these teams because you can beat up guys in practice and you can do the same repetitive repetitive drills over and over again. And, you you know, you, you get one kind of vision. But until you put them in game situations, you never really know how a guy is going to react in certain situations. Put your helmet on his helmet, make a hit, pick up a loose ball, make a play, and let's see what you can do. As mentioned earlier in the show, there are 12 exhibition games, and most teams are going to take this weekend off. I think a couple teams might practice uh, this weekend out east, Um, but with it being U.S. Thanksgiving, I think some of the teams will just take a break, allow their players uh, to rest their bodies, and then once December hits, uh, it's pretty much full steam ahead because there's only three weeks until the play to the rosters have to be in, and then it's the Christmas break, and then we're ready to go. Like today is the 22nd, the first game is the 29th of next month, so we're only what 37 days away. If my math is correct, but we are just two weeks away from exhibition lacrosse. And the only one that is open to the public in that first weekend, uh, the December 3rd game, Georgia at Toronto at the track. That's a 7 p.m. Eastern faceoff. Uh, but you also have Buffalo at Rochester, New England at Buffalo, uh, Calgary against Vancouver, Saskatchewan against Calgary, or sorry, Colorado, and Saskatchewan against Vancouver. So check that. There's four teams going to be at the LEC. Calgary, Vancouver, Saskatchewan, and Colorado. Um, New England will take on Rochester, and then Calgary We'll take on Colorado. Um, so there's tons of lacrosse. And it's unfortunate that, you know, these early preseason games, they're not all open to the public. But once we get to that second weekend, um, the December 10th game will be open to the public. Uh, as Colorado will take on Toronto at the track. Georgia is going to play Rochester at the BCA. Calgary will play Saskatchewan at Sastel Center on the 16th. And then Buffalo at Toronto at the track. Uh, on December 17th will be the final preseason exhibition game. But that December 16th game, the Calgary at Saskatchewan, I think they're at like 9,000 seats sold for that thing. And it just continues to blow my mind how successful the Rush have been in Saskatoon, and I absolutely love it. Because I didn't think it was going to work, but they have found some sort of golden coin or golden goose or something that has struck a chord with those people in Saskatoon. And yes, it helps to have a championship winning team. Um, But you know what? You still got to get butts in the seats and they've done an incredible job and their season ticket holder numbers continue to go up every week. And when you can get, you know, near 10 K or whatever they're pushing for that exhibition game against Calgary, that's fantastic. 
So uh, NLL.com, and you can find out all of the exhibition game schedules. Um, a couple other things before we let you go. Um, I'll tweet out the link, um, and I think I might have. Um, actually, I haven't, but I will. Um, Paul Rabel is a guy that, you know, he's been on the show before. You've heard me fanboy about him <laughs> a couple times, but his vision for the game of lacrosse is just on another level from what so many other people are trying to do. And he wrote a great article of things that lacrosse needs to do. I think it was three things lacrosse need to do to make itself better. Um, one was having the NLL and MLL basically join forces and work together. And I've been saying that for weeks. Um, he talks about, you know, the social media game and he talks about just getting on the same page and it is an incredible read and, and I'll tweet it out and I, I highly recommend you give it a read um, because it's just fantastic. Uh, if you haven't read Marty O'Neill's piece on the state of lacrosse in Canada, it is a must read. It's over on IL Indoor. Um, it's a very, very scary and telling story. Um, the numbers of people playing lacrosse continues to go down. Um, lacrosse continues to get overlooked by so many other sports uh, to be put on TV and to get sponsorship dollars and advertising money. Um, you know, you just look at um, TSN here in Canada just announced a slew of games of NCAA college hockey that they're going to be putting on TV. And yet we can't get our national summer sport on TV. We just can't. And there are so many factors involved and, and people think it's so easy just to put a game on, but it's not. You need the manpower. You need the advertising and sponsorship dollars. You need revenue coming in to make it go out. And I think that's one of the big reasons that Nick Sakevich and his crew are really focusing on going to a digital platform. Uh, this, you know, NLL TV is going to be their baby. And we still have yet to see how that program is going to roll out and be dealt to the fans. Um, he said there will be some things for free and there'll be some things you have to pay for. Uh, whether it's, you know, you pay for a subscription, a one-time fee, and then you can watch all games all the time. Uh, or you, you know, you watch live games free and pay for replays. Who knows? But there is going to be some sort of package on NLL TV for people to be able to watch all of their games. And that's needed but we still have a long way to go. And Marty's article talks about, you know, how other sports are marketing to other demographics and how they're getting the dollars of these people to play their sports and people aren't playing lacrosse. And I don't know what the answer is. You know, it's, it's a common question that always gets asked, why isn't lacrosse bigger? I think one of the reasons, and I've said this before, we keep going in opposite directions. That was one of the, sort of the things that Paul Rabel brought up in his article. You know, we need everybody pulling on the same rope at the same time, going the same direction. We can't be going left and right and trying to find a middle ground because it's never going to happen. The roads don't ever meet. Marty's going to hopefully join us next week on the program. He's also going to have a part two of his article that 
I am anxiously looking forward to because whenever Marty writes, he writes really, really intelligent pieces that a lot of people just try not to talk about. It's like the elephant in the room and Marty's riding it. He doesn't, you know, I don't want to say he doesn't care because he does care. And that's why he's writing the things that he writes in the way that he writes them. So good on Marty. Like I said, he's going to try, hopefully join us next week to talk about that. Um, And we'll continue to get you prepped and ready for the 2017 season. We are two weeks away from exhibition game, a month and a bit away from the season opener, December 29th, Toronto and Rochester in Rochester. And it is going to be one heck of a season. I can't wait. Um, Finally, shout out. To all the Toronto Rock guys and Dan McRae, who were second row at Survivor Series over the weekend. I don't know how you guys pulled off those tickets. It might have been from Paul Rabel. And if it was, when the WWE comes out here, I'm making a call to Paul Rabel. Um, but it was great to see those guys in some of their Snapchats. And it, it was awesome. See, so you could even watching them on the pay-per-view, you could see them in their Toronto Rock shirts. It was pretty cool. Um, everyone knows I'm a huge wrestling geek. I love it. Um, and it's great. You know, you can't knock something that has been successful for like 60 years. And the WWE has evolved and redesigned and rebuilt and rebranded like every four or five years, they come out with a new angle and they sell out worldwide. And it is awesome. I love it. I watched Raw last night twice because it was so good. Um, That'll about do it. I'm rambling and I'm pretty hungry and kind of tired. So uh, that'll do it for another edition here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. I want to thank Lyle Thompson for giving us some time. Again, an incredible story. Uh, There's a New York Times article on everything that's going on with the Thompson brothers and the work that they're doing. Um, and, and if you're really unsure of what's going on with the Dakota pipeline, just do some research. Um, there's tons of information out there and, and it really is a noble cause, uh, that these people are fighting for and that they're standing up for. And it really is a shame that it's not getting more publicity. It's not getting more attention and that, you know, we're having to see instances of what I've seen of people getting blasted with water cannons and, and hit with rubber pellets and pepper spray and tear gas when all they're doing is trying to protect their land in a peaceful way. We'll keep you updated on that story as it goes along. Also want to thank Jamie Batley for stopping by. Uh, His Vancouver Stealth have their first main camp in the books. They'll take some time off before getting back at it the first week of December when most other teams will kick things off as well. We'll head to the East Coast next week and check in with the Toronto Rock. And until then, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other. 